It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the First You Beat em, Then You Buy em sports business podcast, The Sportacast. Despite some criticism of my approach to your the analysis of your intros, I didn't know where you were going. First, you beat them, then you buy them. Yeah, first, yeah, I made the uh, I made the comment to someone the other day, Edmund, and I don't think it was you. I can't remember all of our conversations, for heaven's <laughs> sakes. But it was like like you wounded your opponent, like you know you shot him in the shoulder, right, and then you came back later and sort of like killed him, <laughs> you know, wound him, let him bleed out a little bit, weaken him. I, I, I that's just what I keep feeling about. Like fanatics, like this, this. If people didn't see the news, fanatics bought the baseball card business or the card business uh, of Tops, not the confectionery. So your bazooka is still uh, part of Madison Dearborn and uh, Tornante of uh, Mr. Michael Eisner. Um, but you remember a while back, everybody was surprised when Tops reached uh, deals with the licenses and and the major sports league, MLB principally, that they got the rights to license all of the uh, Major League Baseball Fanatics players and, and teams. Fanatics got the rights yeah. to right to utilize Major League Baseball marks and trademarks and all that. And I mean, that had been just, how many years were they with Tops? 60, 70 years, right? A, a been, long time. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty wild to think about just how different the, the world looks like from Tops' perspective in the past seven or eight months. You know, If we had talked at the beginning of the summer, they had pretty valuable rights, as you're talking about, Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball, PA, a, few, a lot of other sports as well. They were in the process of going public in a $1.6 billion SPAC deal. And then in August, Fanatics kind of shocks the entire industry when they secure a lot of these deals, including both of those MLB and MLBPA licenses the 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 deal the the SPAC deal falls through and suddenly fast forward five months and now Fanatics is buying tops at, at a way discounted price. I mentioned that 1.6 billion for the SPAC deal. Fanatics, as we understand it, is paying a little bit under 500 million dollars uh, as part of of this transaction for the for the card portion of tops. Uh, but a really wild six or seven months uh, for the tops company. Yeah, think about where is the value? Where does the value lie? You have the IP, which clearly I think we found out is where the value lies. But there is also, and I don't want to minimize this, there is great brand value in tops. Like when I think of cards, I think of tops. I think of, of course, I was the idiot kid who had all the great ones and 
scaled them up against the wall, you know, like if they were leaners or if you were on top of another one, you flip the baseball cards or you put them in the spokes of your bicycle. <laughs> that was me. The smart kids yeah. got the prospects, uh, you know, they read Baseball America and they said, oh, this guy's the top prospect. I'm going to put him in the binder so that the corners are perfect or never, you know, those were the smart people. Like, yeah, I think it's like Ravel, right? Darren, it's hard, it's I know he kept the good ones. If it's in your yeah, bike. Yeah, yeah. Yep, <laughs> yep, Darren. <laughs> exactly. I, just, I pull it out all wrinkled and wet and broke. and say, hey, how much will you give me for this one? You know? Um, so, uh, but there is great value also in the Topps brand, which is why I suspect Fanatics went out and, and bought them, but also probably going to keep the Topps brand. That's not one you rebrand to Fanatics. If you buy Topps, it's because it is a legacy brand that people have an affinity for. It will give you a visceral reaction, sort of hearkening back to your youth, your you know your childhood. It's that kind of brand. So uh, still valuable, but on the macro level, big scale, the value absolutely lies in the intellectual property. And that's with baseball and the team marks and the players associations, which allows you to use the name and likenesses of the players themselves. And there's also... A, number one, you're absolutely right. Two, secondarily, there's also just some infrastructure and some expertise value here for Fanatics. They, they, they secured those licenses back in August. Fanatics has never sold a trading card, had none of the equipment or the expertise within the company on how to create, sell, manufacture, package, distribute trading cards by buying tops. They're getting all of that stuff as well. It's 350 employees around the world. It is relationships, as you said, that include uh, F1. It includes UEFA, German Bundesliga. There's a relationship with Disney in there for, for, for trading cards related to some of the Disney IP as well. The relationships are, are A, number one, hugely important. And then secondly, if you have to create a trading card company from scratch, that's a lot harder than acquiring one of the, the, the biggest, most well-known and most renowned trading card companies that comes with all this capability kind of built into the infrastructure of the company. If we went for the fancy sound effects and all that sorts of stuff, which we do not, but if we did, I would like a trumpet for a Sportico tangent like about to come. Make way for a Sportico tangent. The way you, you went so perfectly to, to German Bundesliga, good for you. Uh, so if I say Bundesliga, who pops into your head? Give me a player. Give me the first one. I mean, what pops into your head if I say Bundesliga? Oh, man. It's oh, the be face you just made we're going to put on Twitter. <laughs> the, we, I, how many seconds are, in, are we in on this? Hold on. I want to see how long you, are we on you this had interview me right now. Because I wasn't sure if I was going to name a single one. But the, the first name is Robert Lewandowski for sure. I mean, I think he's the best player so in the world. That screams to me like you're a young guy who just started recently watching <laughs> soccer. You're like, for sure. Like, I'm Karl Heinz Rummenigge. And, and you're telling me, oh, Robert Lewandowski for sure. Like, no doubt it's Lewandowski. I'm like, wait, I, I go back. So what? Like, no, Bastian Schweinsteiger, and you're, and you're giving me oh, uh, Lewandowski for sure. So I'm on record. Let's do this on Twitter, Eben. You, you do the polls. If if you say Bundesliga, who pops into your head? I am Karl Heinz Rummenig. Okay. All right. All I right. think this Back one I tops. might win. I actually think I might win this one, but. <laughs> Well, yeah, you, you know, Twitter skews younger, I would think, but the, exactly. I, well, you know, I, exactly. I'm not Franz Beckenbauer. Are we going to get away mm, you know, as, good, as yeah. an executive? Manuel Neuer? Dirk, Dirk Heiser. I mean, <sighs> look at me flashing all of my soccer knowledge, and we're going to get to soccer after this, and Real Salt Lake and, and David Blitzer. But let me ask you this. You're on the phone half the day, as am I, because every time I call you, you're like, yeah. I get a text message back <laughs> one second I'm on we're the phone. Off, yeah. Yep, yeah, you were always on the phone. So the, the question I have for you, no matter who I speak with, executives, it does not matter whether it's uh, e-com 
or whether it's memorabilia or retail, no matter who I speak with, invariably, they, we get around to fanatics during the conversation and the person says, do I need to worry about what's going on over there? Like, is Michael coming for me? Like, is Michael Rubin like looking at what I do? Or, or, or do they have any designs or eyes on my particular expertise? Do I need to worry about fanatics? I get that a lot. Surprisingly, I get that a lot. How and the, one, the ones who aren't saying that to you uh, are already worried about it. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they, yeah, they don't the need to ask because the they're worried already. Yeah. Is, yes. I mean, yeah, just think about what, what in, in 10 years or so, what Michael did with Fanatics, creating an, an empire, uh, the world's largest seller of licensed sports apparel. He did so by partnering with leagues and teams around the, the world, really, but especially in the US, and by offering them equity. And if you were a league that got equity in Fanatics back when the valuation was around $2 billion, as it was maybe you know four or five years ago, uh, and now the company is worth $18 billion, uh, that's been a really lucrative proposition for you. And that seems to be the approach that he's thinking of as, as, as the business expands. The MLB and MLBPA have equity in this new trading card company, as do a lot of the other leagues and unions that have licensing deals here. When he gets uh, the sports betting property off the ground, and, and to be clear, I think that's going to look a lot like trading cards. I think they're going to acquire a name either that is big in the US or big internationally that has a lot of this infrastructure built into it so that he can hit the ground running as opposed to building it himself. I think when he does that, I wouldn't be surprised if there are partnerships that are that include kind of equity pieces as part of it. If he gets into tickets, again, the same kind of thing. NFTs, we've already seen with, with Candy Digital. Uh, you're going to see that as well. There's a blueprint here that Michael did with Fanatics that is going to be the blueprint, I think, for, for a lot of these uh, expanded businesses. And the most interesting one to me, Scott, I think is media. Because again, it's it's another area I'm sure you're getting. Some of these people that are asking you that question are in the media space. They're asking me as well. Um, what does, if you have all of these other kind of e-sports, e-commerce platforms in place, um, wh what is the what is the plan for media? Is there a goal for media? Is that even interest him? I think that might be the the next and potentially one of the bigger frontiers if Fanatics does want to go that route. Huge value in the database, just their customer base, because they've been shipping t-shirts and hats and sweatshirts all over to sports fans, and they have a lot of data. They know what teams people like. So I'm trying to imagine the Fanatics experience. All said and done when this sort of this hub of the sports consumer is completed. If I close my eyes and like I have my my smart TV and I've got my laptop and my phones next to me, what let me am I right? You tell me. I'm watching a game on some part of the screen, right? Uh, there's a sports betting component where maybe there's some live odd algorithm spinning on the other where I can place my bets right there on the smart screen and maybe FanDuel or DraftKings or PointsBet or somebody you know, pays me a whole bunch of money because I can all these new customers and uh, they, they want access to that. And then let's just, I don't know, let me pick a player. Give me the best player on <laughs> oh, <boy>. the. <laughs> I, I, wait, I, I wait. I I did. It did reach my ears that the Cincinnati Bengals made the playoffs. Okay. Right. Okay. So who's the it, best player on the Bengals? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Yeah. Okay. So Jamar Joe Chase. Burrow throws. By the way, I I, I whipped that one out pretty well. Like, I'm, I don't remember any others, but to me, it's still like a Siasin to somebody. But Joe Burrow makes a great throw. And then it pops up on my screen to all the people who have bought Cincinnati Bengals gear in the past. By the way, here's the new T-shirt and one click and you can have it and we'll ship it to you. 
Um, and then, oh, by the way, that moment that just happened, we're creating an NFT. You want to buy that here through Canty Digital? You can do that too. So I'm like sitting on my couch, whether I have a, a single screen, a, a, everybody says second screen experience. I don't know if there can be tertiary screen, but anything I may want. To, oh, by the way, the Bengals are in town next week. Are you interested? Because you, you're geolocated. You're in New York. They're playing at MetLife. Would you like to buy tickets? I can do it all right here on this platform. That seems really cool. Am I am I overthinking it, or is that really what it's going to look like? No, I think that's exact. That's exactly right. And, and an example that someone gave to me recently about fanatics. Imagine a world in which you you buy tickets. You also have a part of the transaction. You're buying a T-shirt for you and, and your kid when you go to the game. Oh, and as a kind of quote unquote insurance policy, you can place a bet. And if the home team wins, covers uh, for a fifty dollars insurance policy, you win fifty bucks, and the whole thing is free. Right? You can offset the cost of. Uh, wait, with, wait a minute. With, did with did you wager. just say going to it? Wait a minute. Did you? just say going to a game with uh, you know a, a parent and a kid and 50 bucks did you just say free <laughs> three of your first two sodas are free but i don't know what you're talking about like, really <laughs> you are out of touch brother where, where did that come from but yes i think this is the blending of all these e-commerce things i don't think this is all that far off from from kind of why amazon is really interested in in live rights because they have this massive e-commerce platform behind the live rights and they want to figure out a way to use live rights as a way an entry point into that um it's the same for the reason why I think you and I would agree at some point relatively soon, DraftKings and FanDuel are going to be involved in these media conversations in a much bigger way than they are right now because the, the, the eyeballs aggregated on live rights are so big. And once you have those people, it becomes a lot easier to monetize them for anything from a t-shirt to an NFT to a ticket to a sports bet. Yeah, this would be half a trumpet for Tangent, but I, I, I'm not sure if all the people who listen to us really understand where that's going and and why. And I love that you brought it up. But don't be surprised if in the not too distant future, when people, sports media personalities with large followings, and that can be Adam Schefter, Adrian Wojnarski, when their <laughs> contracts are up. Yeah, uh, your, your Twitter fo- your Twitter follower is growing. Everybody follow Evan Novi Williams, Novi underscore Williams, even if you hate the yeah, underscore. Sh- like shout I out do. me. Yeah. Uh, follow, yeah, he's, do- he's doing a good job. Um, like they're going to be in demand as possible personalities, content creators on FanDuel, on DraftKings. Uh, you know, are the salaries that they'll be offered or whatever, however the pay packages are put together, they could dwarf what ESPN is willing to pay these folks. So if if it does happen, and all of a sudden you're like, wait, what do you what do you mean Adam Schefter's not on ESPN anymore? And like I DraftKings.tv, what? Wait. That's the thinking that goes behind it, that he can reach a whole lot of potential customers. I, I would not want to be the the HR rep at ESPN that has to deal with uh, some point in the next year when Adam Schefter and or Woj come to them and say, oh, uh, here's the offer I just got from insert sports book here. Uh, yeah. It's this much bigger than what you're paying me right now. Uh, let's chat. Um, and, and I agree with you. I think th- those conversations are going to become happening more and more because there's no question. All these sports books have aspirations for being just like fanatics looks at and just like Nike looks at honestly and like just like Disney looks at trying to be kind of these all-encompassing sports platforms I wish like we had a telestrator and again we'll, we'll somehow merge John Madden into our conversation a little in a minute too but I wish we had a little telestrator so people would know I'm not I'm not fibbing here but you and I have been covering Michael Rubin and Fanatics for quite some time before it was a household brand. A yeah. 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 We've been covering th- Fanatics for a long time. 
and I'll, I'll fess up if you get it right. And if, if we are matched up here, played a little match game. There were two words that every time we talked about fanatics, there were two words that the company always drilled home. And this, the key to their success was fill in the two word blank. Vertical integration. Vertical integration. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So, uh, I, I mean, it probably still applies only now you've got a much taller top and a much longer, you know, <laughs> and the vertical climb is it's a lot higher. You go from the basement to the penthouse now. It's yeah. not floor one to floor two. You're going from the basement all the way to the penthouse with where they're headed. But exactly. yeah, I, I, I love the fact that it was always the vertical integration was the key to success at Fanatics. And now it's probably vertical, horizontal, diagonal, circular integration of all the places they touch. So from one billionaire's expanding portfolio to another, Scott, let's move to our next topic. Um, a deal reached MLS has sold... Real Salt Lake. They've been in the in the process of selling the club out in Salt Lake City for for over a year now. Uh, the new ownership group, some big names in there: David Blitzer, part uh, partner in HBSE, part owner of the Steelers, uh, soon to be, as we reported a couple weeks ago, uh, investor in the Cleveland Guardians as well. Ryan Smith, the new ish owner of the Utah Jazz, a part of this group as well. And uh, no, no shocker here, Arctos Partners. Feel like we're talking about them on every single show. Private equity fund, also a part of the new group here. Uh, some new things in here, news we broke this week, Scott. Some some news that we had kind of teased a few months ago as well. What stands out to you about the RSL news? Oh, what stood out to me, and I was going to comment on, is that like maybe we can put this on Twitter too. That I, I took a nice sip of my tea, and you had a nice soliloquy there for a while. <laughs> it, it enabled me to just sort of. Are you rocking take, an engraved take, mug, by the way? Uh, it says the Soshniks. It was a gift. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's and on the, but we got one for me and one for my wife. And this one, as you can see here, this one is for my wife. I okay. used mine yeah, last night. I put not, it in the dishwasher. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I don't have that one. But you know, it was it was nice. What Very stands nice. out to me is where MLS is headed. And we've seen some gaudy valuations. And one of my favorite things in these conversations that we we spoke about and people around the industry now is like kind of justify these valuations. Where are we headed? Why? Why are smart people, smart money getting into these teams? And, and I think one of the things you have to look at is the who. You know, the, you have, and when you look at a business, and I'm going to be my Marcus Limones here, but when you look at a business, what do you evaluate? The people, the process, and the product, right? We know what the product is. And we and I think you and I agree, as more money comes in, the product will improve better players. When will it happen where the best players in the world in their prime play at MLS? I, I don't know. It's not the next five years. But mm -hmm. you could see with all the money that is here in the United States, uh, I think you could see a day down the line where perhaps the best players do come and play in the U.S. I think I think we could we could agree on that. Uh, and then you have process, fine, but the people, people, process, and product. And I'm keen on the people who is coming in. And when you talk about Blitz and when you talk about Ryan Smith, now you've got operational expertise on multiple fronts, multiple platforms. They are bringing that operational expertise from the NBA, from the NHL from the NFL, soon MLB. And as more and more, whether they're limited partners or general partners, come into MLS with stakes in other teams and with the experience in other leagues, you're going to see the most important part that I see, the process change. You're going to see procedural changes and operational changes that will empower the league, empower its teams, drive valuation, um, 
so that's what I, it's just two names right now. I mean, yes, Arctos and, uh, you know, they're involved in, in almost every league as well now, but they're, they're putting money everywhere. But I think, I think it's changing. The demographic of the owner in MLS is changing. And I think, by the way, that's also true of the NFL as sort of these teams turn over and we get not only a younger breed of owner, but owners from other sports that do have experience. I think we're going to see that dynamic at an at a very important time for the NFL, at a very important time in a shifting media landscape, and they're selling part of the media business, or are they? Um, that th- this new world view of technology, um, of operations, of synergies, of scale, uh, of everything we talked about with Michael Rubin, uh, that's what I see driving change here. And I think it's very the who is very important for MLS, not just the how much. I would prefer right now to look at the who and see what they do to change process, which will then drive the how much down the line. And to drive that point home for MLS, uh, last year, Orlando City was sold to the Wilf family, owners of the the NFL's Minnesota Vikings. We've done a lot of reporting about the 30th MLS franchise, which sure looks like it's going to be West a, Edens a West and Las Edens Vegas. Back team <laughs> in, in Las Vegas. Uh, West Eden's obviously a, a partner and, and, and one of the co-owners of the Milwaukee Bucks. So yes, the, it seems like in, in a lot of different corners of, of the MLS world, they are adding deep-pocketed owners that have that expertise in other sports. Let's also talk about the how much, at least a little bit, Scott, because people will be curious. Uh, we're told this, this, this RSL deal, which includes the USL franchise, the stadium in which the team plays, and also also, the academy and the training complex in, in near, nearby Hartman, Utah, I believe, is the town. Um, the valuation there totally that this group is paying is slightly under four hundred million dollars. That's pretty much on par with what we saw for both the Houston Dynamo and, as I mentioned, Orlando City, which both sold last year. The Charlotte expansion uh, fee was about three hundred and fifty million, a little bit less than that, I think. So it's a little bit more than than what we saw for the last expansion. By, by the way, that counts as far as the who also. That's David Tepper. David Tepper. Billionaire David Tepper from the Carolina Panthers. So that counts as the changing face of who for the for MLS sure. as well. Yep. So it seems yep. as though, and, and just to kind of put that in context, because we laugh about this a lot, Newcastle, uh, the the you know one of the most famous, more established English soccer brands, uh, just sold for four hundred and ten million dollars. So we're talking about again these MLS prices that are on par with some of the more famous uh, English soccer teams out there right now. And uh, and in in process, the the MLS and Liga MX has carved out sort of this new tournament which can be sold separately. So now you've got more product. MLS will control the U.S. rights of it. And, you know, the legal MX will control the Mexican rights. But again, it just that's outside the box thinking, creating more inventory at a time when their rights are out in the market. We'll see how high those numbers go. We're hearing anywhere from 250 to 300 million per based on how long the deal is. So we'll, we'll see where that comes in. And let's just close the book on what we were talking about because we did mention John Madden who passed away. And we, we can connect the dots here. But uh, Wasserman, the agency, is buying um, the Sandy Montag's uh, representation group. And Sandy, of course, represented John Madden in for, for many, many years. Uh, it just just you, you see where athletes are going in their playing days and, their, and how they're trying to align their, their off-field businesses. Many go into broadcasting. And the Montag Group, of course, uh, with with John Madden, sort of was that was that pillar. Also has a number of former athletes as broadcasters or straight up broadcasters now as well. So it's a it's kind of a pipeline 
from the field into the broadcast booth. So I see the synergies there from Wasserman and Montag, two platinum brands and what they do. Yeah, Montag Group, Jim Nance, Mike Tirico, Scott Van Pelt, Jay Glazer, Kenny Smith over at TNT. I think as we, we, we've talked a bit about multicasting and, and kind of this push in sports broadcasting to give consumers options in terms of what the announcers that are announcing the games are talking about, what they sound like. And we're increasingly seeing that consumers seem to really like former players who can talk about their own experiences, tell funny stories, maybe dive a little bit deeper into the X's and O's than, than, than might be normal. The, the Manning cast certainly seems like a great example. Love him or hate him. Tony Romo, I think, kind of also changed the way that, that people were thinking about NFL broadcasts. There is going to be more opportunity for broadcasters of all sorts moving forward because there's going to be all these, these streaming and, and audio options. But that especially means that for athletes and particularly athletes who are just kind of retiring, who have a really interesting perspective that I would still argue is, is not told as well as it could be when they are athletes. I think this makes a, this tie up makes a lot of sense in terms of helping athletes go from playing on the field to commenting in the booth. What I am really looking forward to, and I mean this sincerely, what I'm looking forward to is watching a whole bunch of smart TV executives try and recreate the Manning cast. <laughs> Agreed. Who, who, yeah, which, by There's the going to be I some failures a, out there. <laughs> uh, there will be some spectacular failures in there. Um, I, I personally do not believe you can recreate what they have because they're brothers. They've been doing this their whole life. And you know, then you have the innate, just kind of folksy nature of Peyton and Eli, the big brother, little brother, uh, the, of course, the fact that the Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, both of them, they have this sort of this dry sense of humor and, by the way, beloved even in their own industry so that they can get the greatest guests on. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers comes on uh, on, on was it Monday Night Football and you get you get the commissioner. You, Snoop Dogg is coming on and having fun with, with Eli Manning. I don't think you can cre- recreate that. It's almost like Kornheiser and Wilbon. Like anytime I watch, pardon the interruption, anytime, and this is not taking away from any guest host because they do a fine job. You simply cannot replicate the dynamic that is created over decades of sitting next to each other, talking to each other. Like I can almost, uh, on the smaller, smaller, much smaller scale, a lot of times I know what you're going to say before you say it. I know how you're going <laughs> to react. Way about you. I, yeah. yeah, I know where you're going to go. You know when I'm going to pivot. You can probably look when I get a little crinkle in the side going, oh, he's going to say something stupid right now. Like, you know that. And that comes from the fact that you and I have sat next to each other for more than a decade. Yeah. And you just can't replicate that. It's, it's going to be really hard for a bunch of folks who are, who are salivating at the chance, whether it be a streaming service, you know, will, will the Manning cast go to Amazon? Ooh, you know, will, will they stay? Will ESPN pony up to keep the Manning cast? Ooh, can they do it themselves and rent it out to everybody? I don't know, but I am sure looking forward to not only the successes, which I don't think will be as successful, uh, as the Mannings, but also the spectacular failures. And maybe I can see Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson sitting there and doing a, a golf round, you know, together. Uh, that would be very interesting. They're friends. Um, they competed uh, two of the best ever. That might be fun, but I still don't think you're going to get the, the dynamic of Eli and Peyton. I just don't think you can recreate. Something tells me the Sedin twins would not do as well, even though they oh. <laughs> oh. shared a life for uh, for their entire life, that, that them doing a hockey cast might not be as compelling as the Manning brothers. Henrik, what do you think? I don't know. Daniel, what do you think? <laughs> Henrik? Dan- oh, I thought he played well. Me too. 
back to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, back to you in the studio. <laughs> anyway, he is Evan Novi Williams on the Twitter, Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Our social media editor is Cora Veltman. She likes it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sporticast, which is the hub of what will soon become the Sportico Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.